You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio's All About Real Estate Edition. I'm your host, Carol Morgan, and I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Denim Marketing. Denim is the market leader in home building and real estate for creating quality original content for public relations, social media, marketing campaigns, blogging, and more. Well, today I am pleased to do two things, actually. One, to kick off our Legacies of Real Estate series. And then to also welcome a very dynamic lumberman to the show. You could say that he has sawdust in his blood. I'm very fortunate to be joined today by John Vaughn, um, formerly of Brand Vaughn and all of that uh, fame. So it's going to be a really fun conversation. Let's just, you know, I guess just kick it off. You know, John, did you always play with Lincoln Logs and Blocks? And did you just grow up, you know, loving lumber? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this. Uh, the legacy piece is something we've talked a lot about in our in our company and our family. So, so glad to be a part of it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I have. When I was, I got a picture of me with my grandfather, Cy Vaughn, who was actually the founder of Brand Vaughn. Um, he gave me a Fisher Price lumber load kit when I was probably four years old. And so the picture is just so funny that it just, I mean, it, I was the only one. I have an older sister, two younger brothers. I'm the only one that uh, stayed in the business wow. for any period of time. And so looking back on that and having that Fisher-Price set, I ended up buying one on Etsy that uh, that matched what I got when I was three or four years old. Um, but yeah, so it's always been part of who I thought I was going to be and and part of what I've done. It's kind of interesting that you're the only one of three that got involved in the business. I mean, why do you think that is? Well, so part of my my dad was an only child. Um, so the the transition from generation one to generation two was relatively straightforward because my my grandfather had a partner. His name was R.L. Brand. That's the brand and brand. brand OK. Like brand of Vaughn. It's a there was a brand family. Um, and he had two kids. One is an orthopedic surgeon in Augusta, and the other one married an ophthalmologist and moved down to Valdosta. So they were just never going to be a part of the business. And my dad was an only child. He actually went to law school, passed the bar, had a job. Wow. Decided to come back because Mr. Brand was was kind of leaving the business, and that was his entree into the business. So my dad saw that clean transition from one generation to the next and said, all right, how do we do this well? And he was very intentional. And so what he told us as kids was, um, we'd love for you to be a part of the business. If you are so gifted and you so desire, you're not forced to be a part of this. Right. But in order to kind of prove out that you're something that you're you're uh, interested in and have the talent for is you need to go work outside of the business first. And if you go work outside of the business, um, you get the opportunity to come back and be a part of the business. So I went and worked at George Pacific, which became Blue Links and got promoted twice. I was kind of the deal too. You got to go get promoted, not just hold a job. <laughs> um, and so I was able to go out, got a job at George Pacific, promoted twice and came back into the business at a great time to come in and fully commissioned outside sales, December of 2006. Oh, what a great time to do that. Perfect timing. Well, that could lead to the uh, next question. Uh, how did the Great Recession impact your business? Well, uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> 
So if you look at the metro Atlanta area, I mean, everybody that's going to be listening to this understands what happened in the Great Recession. Atlanta was as deep in, as any of them. So around 61, 62,000 housing stars in 2006, down to 4,700. Uh, and so lumberyard locations went similarly with that. So uh, went from, you know, over 100 lumberyard locations down to 20. Wow. In that period of time. And so there was a lot of independent businesses that that went out in that time period um and so we went from about 110 people down to 31 but my grandfather had built the business on uh, the borrower or slave to the lender that biblical principle and so it was just always this mindset around there's going to be a rainy day he was a kid of the depression and so we right. just turned that into my dad and into me of hey you better save for that rainy day and man did it rain in the recession uh, and so we weathered the storm. I mean, I remember walking around in 2009 with my dad saying, what are we going to do with this place? <laughs> and that, I mean, fast forward, uh, you know, even just a couple of years later and seeing the market starting to come back, um, right. really blessed. So it hurt a lot. We had to lose a lot of amazing people, but we weathered the storm and we got a lot of those people back after the. That's fantastic. Well, you know, juxtaposed to the Great Recession, what happened during COVID to your business? <laughs> <laughs> so it felt very similar in a very compressed period of time. So 07, 08, 09, we had a lot of time to think about, oh, we're starting to see start slow. We're starting to see builders not pay. We're starting to see, you know, subdivisions close. We're starting to see all of these things. Mm -hmm. Well, COVID hits and it's immediate. And it's, it's, we don't know if we're going to, builders are saying, we don't know if we're going to sell any houses. Why is anybody going to go into a house to look at a house if right. they are concerned about their well-being? And, um, and everybody was kind of like, we're going to hit pause until we figure out what happens. And so all of a sudden we're sitting there, we're doing cash burn rates. Um, what if our builders can't pay? And you found out pretty quick, oh, this could be really bad. And so not panic mode, but we went into, um, real serious mode around how do we make sure as a team, we keep our core together, we keep focused, we keep focused on the right things, and then message well to our people. We want to keep you safe. We want to keep you employed. In order to do that, these are the some of the things that we're going to have to do. And so, um, you know, 45 days later, we're glad we did the things we did to make right. sure that we managed expenses and inventory and accounts receivable and all those sorts of things. But on the backside, we were also glad that we didn't swing so far to the other side and start cutting inventory and cutting people and moving on from builders or anything like that, just out of fear right. rather than faith on what's going on. Uh, and we then it just exploded. Exploded. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, lots of things exploded during the Great Recession, right? Yeah. You know, I like to call it the force magnifier because, you know, anything that was already moving in a direction, it just kind of shoved in whatever that direction was. Um, you know, and one of the things really that was impacted by the Great Recession, or I'm sorry, by the by, by COVID, was technology and the fact that you know even we're doing this by Zoom today. Pre pre COVID, we did all of our Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio interviews, you know, live in a studio, and you know it, it, it's been kind of interesting. I miss that one on one personal touch, but it, it's much more flexible to do things over Zoom. You know, and I just imagine that, you know, thinking of technology, that lots have changed related to technology during your time in the lumber industry. Just talk a little bit about how technology's changed in the last, I don't know, 20 years related to lumber. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, just something as simple as the way that we 
price lumber is based on a, a publication called Random Links. And at 20 years ago, we were standing by the fax machine waiting to see that thing come yeah. through. And, you know, you run out of paper halfway through. You're like, oh, my God, I don't see what OSB did today. And so, so much of it was indexed off of that um, to now where it's very, I mean, we're looking at, at randoms, futures, contracts, all that sort of stuff in real time a lot of times. And that's just a small part of it. But when you think about the ERP systems that we used to have on green screens. And I, and I mean, I know some businesses that still run very successfully on the green screen, but we we have made choices to be progressive in the way that we do it because we also know that if we're going to attract the best and youngest talent that can be sustainable for long-term, we want to have technology that's attractive to right. the talent base that we want to go after. Um, so advances in ERP systems and things like that. What's We were on Zoom before because we always knew that we wanted to be able to touch and feel not touch and feel but at least you know from from a virtual sense be able to touch and feel all of our our team members as, mm -hmm. as often as possible and so we'd grown to the point from just one location before the downturn we had six locations in 2020 and so i could physically drive and go see these folks and and shake their hands and put my arms around them. i still did but to be able to make sure that we were messaging consistently mm -hmm. being able to use zoom changed the game we were having annual meetings and rather than you know, making everybody drive into Atlanta from Columbus and Madison and all these other places, we could, we could have a zoom forum to be able to do that. And so that's been a, a game changer on how do you not just um, build strategy, but communicate culture and strategy, cast vision. Well, mm -hmm. make sure that they're seeing from their leaders on a consistent basis. Cause emails are fine. Text messages are fine. Teams messages are fine, but seeing somebody, in a forum where you can ask questions and we would hold open forum town hall meetings and that prepared us for COVID so that it wasn't right. something people were having to learn on the fly. What is Zoom? Well, right. we don't use it. So the competency was within the business for us to be able to do that well. So, I mean, you think about internet speeds, um, <laughs> ability to be work from home, getting away from Nextel's, holy smokes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so there's a lot of things that have been really helpful for the business. I also think that I mean, there's that soft underbelly of a lot of those technologies that we are overly reliant on email or overly mm -hmm. reliant on text messages. And you lose some of exactly what you said is that ability to have face-to-face -face interactions that it's, I can send a really mean text or a really hard <laughs> email because I'm not going to see your reaction and you're not going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not, you're, right. that's not what I meant when I said that. Yeah. So yeah. Trying to figure out how to balance a technology that's unbelievable as an efficiency tool and a leverage for you know false multiply because I love I use that word all the time for technology. Yeah. While still not losing the ability to build culture, build relationship, innovate, be effective differently. Yeah. Wow. Um, you touched on the next generation. Yeah. So what advice would you have for, you know, a young person looking to go to, you know, study a trade or looking to go to college or looking to get into, you know, the the lumber business? And, you know, what would you tell them to do if that was something they really want to do? Well, the first thing I'd say is, you know, I, I've heard for the last 20, since I came into the business, when I was working at Georgia Pacific, oh, we're not going to get the best and brightest talent because it's not a sexy industry, you know, and, and I can understand that sentiment. Uh, but at the same time, how many industries do you have where you can start as a truck driver making 12 bucks an hour? You know, back in the day, obviously it's a lot more now, but start as a truck driver at 12 bucks an hour and end up being an outside sales guy making, you know, six figures. 
Right. Like there's not a lot of industries that can do that. Or there's there's some businesses in our space across the country that started as a load builder on a forklift that is the president of the company of a right. hundred plus million dollar business. And if you have ambition and you have patience, the 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 sky's the limit in in these businesses. And a lot of a lot of lumber businesses, a lot of businesses in our industry. And I'm not just going to keep it to the lumber business. Right. Exactly. Businesses that. I mean, of folks that you know that build great cultures that take care of their people, that build opportunity. And so if you're a young person thinking about getting into the industry, it it's not always necessary that you go to college. I don't think college is is for everybody. I think it's for a lot of people. I mean, you can learn incredible things if you want if you want to be in finance, if you want to be in um in a lot of in accounting and all these sorts of areas that that need that formal education. I think it's fantastic. You learn a lot about yourself, you learn a lot of skills through that. But if you're somebody that says, yeah, I don't really know what I want to do. when you can go to school later, get into a trade school, learn a trade, get into the industry, understand how you can, where you want to go. And the, the opportunities are unbelievable in this industry with some really great people too. Absolutely. Now I noticed what I think is a diploma behind you. Oh yes. That's the That's what I thought. So what did you study at UGA? Uh, so I was a business management major at the University of Georgia. I was third generation dog. Go dogs. Go dogs. Okay. So you studied business. So yeah. I did. So, And I think that, you know, that's a great way to approach our industry is, you know, maybe you start out with a business degree and then you go get your feet wet and you learn a trade and you work yourself up and, you know, you work yourself up from driving that truck or swinging that hammer or whatever it is to running your own small business because then you've got all the skills you need to do both. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. So, yeah, well, I'm the um, parent of a child who went to school, majored in history. And has a fantastic degree in history. <laughs> and after he got out, you know, kind of, you know, thought about master's programs and this, that, and the other. And um, he's now worked as a plumber for the past two years and loves it. That's great. So, you know, I just think there's, there's lots of different career paths. And, you know, a lot of times we push these kids toward college because we think, you know, that they need a college degree. But no, maybe they don't. Or maybe they need both. <laughs> maybe, that's exactly there. And maybe you need experience before you determine what are you going to go study? Because it's probably great that he's got a history degree and he's, there's a lot of things that he'll be advantaged by it. Oh, absolutely. They look in retrospect and say, hey, I, you know, I'm, I might have rather have done finance or accounting or. Right. No, he will never say that. <laughs> that he'll never say. Crafting the perfect marketing strategy is like constructing the perfect pair of jeans. You need all the right components and expertise. Unlike trying on a dressing room full of jeans, denim marketing makes the process painless and easy. Denim marketing is the market leader in creating quality original content for home builders, developers, remodelers, and others in the industry. Call 770-383-3360 or email carol at denimmarketing.com to find out how denim marketing can be a comfortable fit for your social media, public relations, marketing campaigns, email marketing, blogs, and other marketing needs. Uh, well, talk a little bit about, um, I mean, I guess talk a little bit about Brand Vaughn and, you know, the kind of all the different transitions you've been through. And I mean, now you've transitioned basically into retirement, which I'm very jealous of. But just, you know, talk a little bit about the last, you know, few years. Sure. Yeah. So, as I said, we're a third generation building material supply business that my grandfather started in 1946 with RL Brand. 
And so we had just grown the business. We got through the downturn, the Great Recession of 2007, 8, 9. Um, and as we grew the business back after that, we started expanding our reach. We really were a metro Atlanta business. And as we grew, we we opened up a location in Columbus, Georgia. We opened up a place in Madison, Georgia. Uh, and then, you know, Tucker's kind of our, our main hub. And so when we moved the HBA from Tucker over, it, it really hurt my feelings. Oh. <laughs> but um, but so Tucker's our main say We have a place in Cumming and Lithonia uh, and Peachtree Corners as well. And so as we just grew, we continued to just add different services, whether it was installed services uh, for builders, whether it was trusses, uh, a door shop. And so really what we had grown to over time was the ability to deliver products and services to professional home builders and contractors. And we have an unbelievable team. And so as we grew that, what we also knew was that in order to continue to add relevancy and, and growth and things like that, um, that is me and my dad being able to you know, finance the growth and finance the ability to also keep the right talent. We talk about the young talent so much. Mm -hmm. He wants to see opportunity. And, and me as president of Brand Von Lumber Company, there was a cap for most anybody else that was in our system that you know, you could be a VP or a senior VP or executive VP or however we wanted mm -hmm. to term it. But, but as president, that was kind of that was kind of the cap. So we went looking for a partner that was both going that was going to do something that helped maintain our culture, maintain our name and our brand, uh, and then also give opportunity for the business to grow and our people to grow in their mm -hmm. careers and their opportunities. And so we joined USLBM. LBM is Lumber and Building Materials in 2021, July 1st of 2021. And so there's 54 different businesses across the U.S. that are part of U.S. LBM's portfolio of companies. It's backed by Bain Capital, so well-funded to be able to grow. And they've helped us open up that trust shop. They help us uh, improve our, our benefits for our team, mm -hmm. and all those sorts of things. And so we've been able to continue to scale so as we've done that, we've also started to add different pieces of the Metro Atlanta market that were part of USLBM's portfolio. So BSA was one North Georgia Building Supply and Georgia Trust. So now we have this portfolio of in Atlanta that we can continue to grow our, our geographic footprint, but also our services to our to our builders. And so that's fantastic. So when I joined USLBM, part of the, the transition was taking over as the regional vice president for the business. So instead of just having Brand Vaughn, I had 14 different business units in Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, and Mississippi, um, and was tasked with just helping lead those businesses, work on the culture. You know, Brand Vaughn, we're very, very culture focused, um, but to kind of take that kind of mindset to these other businesses and, and the ability to help them scale and grow and improve their uh, cultural bottom line and, and and financial bottom line. And so for two years, I was on the road uh, a lot. Yeah. Loved it. Enjoyed being with these businesses because I love the people in our industry. I think we got the best people in the world. And kind of, I felt like my calling is to create belonging and blue collar environments that help people feel like they have pathways for success and self-satisfaction in their job. And it got to the point where I was away from the house a lot more than I I've got three young kids, 13, 11, and seven. Uh, and so I made the decision to to step away uh, and to step into that family role that I've, you know, you know how it is when you're when you own a business and you're and you're grinding. It's it's a lot. And so um, taking some time to step away and 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 do that with my family, um, not retired. I've I've rebranded myself as non income producing. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Plenty of things, but just non income producing in this current phase. That's fantastic. Well. 
you know, kind of take a step back. We've touched on a couple of different things that I just want to back up and talk about. Talk a little bit about the Greater Atlanta Homebuilders Association and just involvement in it over the years and, you know, what you think it brings to the table for, you know, people in our industry. You know, when I got into the business and it being right there in Tucker, and that's where our main location was, it it was more kind of an obligation and curiosity than it was a passion and so going over there, I was in sales. I was young in the business and trying to figure it out. I, you know, going in there and just getting to meet a lot of great people. But as I said, I started in December of 2006. And so pretty quickly, there was not very many people at those meetings. And the ones that were, you were you're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on and how do we engage well in these yeah. areas. Um, but kind of as the market started to come back and I got more engaged in it and I became more in a leadership role at Brand Vaughn. Um, what I found was that the importance of being a part of the Home Builders Association grew significantly. So Jim Brown asked me to join the board. Um, I guess it would have been uh, 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. And so being able to sit in the meetings and see these people that I had incredible admiration for that had done amazing things within uh, the building industry in Atlanta, and then seeing how much of their time they volunteered for the Home Builders Association really continued to drive my both curiosity and engagement. Uh, and then uh, Corey Deal has become a friend and, and really a great person to be able to bounce things off of, um, asked me to be a part of the executive committee. And so just being able to continue to further my levels of engagement in there, it's it's just allowed me to learn a lot about the industry, to give back through homemade and things like that, just seeing the importance mm -hmm. of that, giving back to the community. It's been, always been a big part of Brand Vaughn, but doing it in that way was really impactful for our people and hopefully for uh, homemade and for the and for the community. Uh, and then also, you know, before um, I left, I was dragging in these younger people within Brand Vaughn and saying, hey, you don't understand the value. Is there value for the business side 100%? Because the networking piece of this is fantastic, but not just networking with builders, but networking with other associate members, just like this. I mean, yeah, be able to have a conversation with you and say, hey, what are you seeing in the industry? What are you seeing from some of these builders? Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time understanding this. Can you help me with this person? I mean, it's been unbelievably valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. I would say ditto to everything you said. Talk a little bit also about culture. You've mentioned culture, you know, many times and that, you know, one of the important things about, you know, going into the fold with US LBM was, you know, the culture and being able to take that out to all 14 business units. So expand more on that. Sure. So um, culture has always been a, a huge part of, of brand. Well, my grandfather was just a kind, generous person. My dad was continue that on. And, you know, as I started to take leadership in the organization, I wanted to make sure that we we're able to measure it and appreciate people the right way because there's one thing to just say we've got good culture and feel it, but mm -hmm. it's very different to be able to really measure it. And so mm -hmm. um, I we did a, a top workplace survey back, I want to say it was 2015. And at the time I was like, this is going to be great. We, we're going to be top five in Atlanta. We're going to celebrate. We may even win the thing. And then we got the results back and we didn't even make the list. Wow. It led us on this journey to be able to say, okay, what does culture really mean? Uh -huh. How are you intentional about it? And so 
we took those results. We were very open and transparent about it. We shared it with our team and it started on this journey to build clarity around who we wanted to be as an organization and to understand where our gaps were. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had so many blind spots that we just didn't realize through that process. And so it just drove us to this, this process of connection, engagement, and transparency with our team to drive clarity towards our mission. So driving that mission. So we we went through a construct really tied to Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team first. Start with why by Simon Sinek. Uh, and then being able to say, okay, we're going to be able to message well internally about who are we. Like our mission, our, our core purpose is to build uncommon relationships with our team members. And every person in the organization knows that. And then, you know, then it drives down to our core values. And our core values are not just you know, integrity and <laughs> but it's, it's deliver extra mile service. And what does that mean to deliver extra mile service within the construct of brand Vaughn? We wanted to make sure everybody had the same language around it. And then yeah. we measure it. And so we spent a lot of time talking to our team, making sure they had feedback loops to be able to tell from anybody from a truck driver to an outside salesperson, to somebody in finance, to somebody in operations, they could come to, they could have a feedback loop where we could hear, Hey, this is going well. This is maybe not going so well, mm -hmm. and this we really need a lot of work on. Um, and so two years later of doing some of that work and making changes and being transparent and having those feedback loops, we reapplied for Top Workplace, and we finished number 27 in Atlanta. And continued the work. We continued to share the results of these information. We yeah. got to number 12. And so now we're five years in, and we've been on the list five years in a row. We're incredibly proud of that. And it's not the work is not being done so that we have a trophy and we can bang our chest. It's so that people feel like they're, like I said, they, there's a sense of belonging where they right. feel passionate that they're cared for uh, in, in a meaningful way. That's fantastic. I think that um, it'll be interesting to see what's next for you. Cause I think you have a potential career coaching companies on um, culture and how to, you know, really focus on culture and do it well. Well, so. yeah, I, lo I love culture. I, I think, the more healthy cultures that we have in our communities, the better our communities are going to be. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely true. Um, so I want to kind of back up and ask one more question. So growing up and growing up in the business, did you find yourself at the lumber yard a lot? I mean, did you, you know, were you sweeping floors as a child? What did those summer jobs and after school jobs look like? Since I was 13 years old, we uh -huh. can't possibly tell people that anymore, right? Because if I have a 13 year old son and thinking about taking him and just <laughs> out on the yard at this point it scares me. <clears throat> but my dad uh, and my grandfather, I mean, they would take me back and forth. So when I was 13 years old, I started working in a lumber yard. So that through up until college, I was, you know, I had some different summer jobs in high school from time to time. But, but I mean, I worked, I worked summers at the lumber yard and I loved it. I love the people that work there. I love their uh, their passion and their work ethic. I love just how loyal they can be and how humble, salt of the earth, salt and light type people. I remember my first day, I'll tell you a quick story that kind of tells you about, you know, both the industry and then my grandfather was he, you know, I started, I was 13 years old. He was probably mid seventies at the time. And the business had been going on for, you know, 50 plus years. He takes me to her house. It was probably a hundred feet long, 20 feet wide, two rows. And he says, hey, this is how you sweep the uh, the warehouse. You put the push broom down, push it forward, you pick it up, move to the side. Put it down, you push forward, you pick it up, move to the side. And you keep doing that until you push all of the diesel dust out of these warehouses. You sweep it in a dustpan, you put it in a trash can. 
I'm like, oh my gosh. So I do that first side. It takes me probably an hour and a half to do it. You see the brush strokes all the way through. It's beautiful. It's clean. <laughs> I go grab, I grab my quarter. I go get a Coca-Cola from the machine and I'm walking back. A quarter, to the- huh? You're starting right. to, to date yourself here. No? <laughs> <laughs> so I go back and I'm starting to go do the other side and I see a, a leaf blower. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier. I'm going to teach him about innovation. Oh no. So I grab the leaf blower, <laughs> I blow that thing out and I'm done in five minutes. I go out and say, hey, I'm done. He goes, you did it wrong. You need to go, let's go look at it. He's like, this side's perfect, the brush strokes, but this side, what happened? He, I was like, oh, I found a leaf blower. I blew it off. It was so much faster and easier. He goes, okay, well, you blew diesel dust on all of our product. So now uh-huh. you see these four stacks of, of finished trim wood that's going to be going to somebody's home. You think you'd want diesel dust all over your product? So now not only do you need to come back here and sweep this off, you have to sweep four levels of cantilevered rack trim off stack by stack. So it took me the rest of that day to clean that one. Wow. And it just taught me there's 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 room for innovation everywhere. But there's some tried and true methods that you better understand before you try to innovate. Well, it's the why. Why do I have to do it that way? And you would have done it that way if you'd known the why from the beginning. That's right. But yeah, it's so interesting. Gosh, what a great story. Well, so so obviously you were out at the lumberyard floor as a 13-year-old. What, you know, do you have any anticipation or expectations that your kids might be getting involved in the industry in some way, shape, form, or fashion? Or, Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's uh, to think about at 13, I, I felt like that was something that was going to be part of my life. You know, yeah. with my kids, you know, I don't I don't know what their path is going to be. I, I want to give them opportunity to try it. Uh, yeah. Still. That's why you never burn bridges. I left under good terms, have great relationships still with our with our team. And so if it's something that they want to try, I can promise they'll have the opportunity. And I'll give them, I mean, I want them to work, learn the work ethic that I had the fortune of learning. I didn't think it was fortunate at the time. <laughs> 14 in a 95 degree day, July day, sweeping out a warehouse. But um, I want them to learn that because it served me well for my life. I want them to be able to learn that. Yeah. Um, but be open-handed with what does the opportunity look like for them? Absolutely. So thinking back on your career to date, because clearly you're not done yet, um, but what are you most proud of? Um, I, I would say the thing I'm probably most proud of is, you know, we were always at Brand Vaughn very, as a family, we were very philanthropic and involved in our in our community. And we would we'd give opportunities to our teams for it. But in 2016, I said, we're a 70 year old company and we have 30 years until we're a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. So I, through kind of talking through this and and thinking through this and dreaming through what is, what is good culture look like? This was kind of in the midst of our culture change. I said, all right, I want to build a program called a hundred families in a hundred years. Hmm. So by the year 2046, we're going to have a hundred projects that we do within our community that helps impact families in need within the community. Oh, I love that. And so what started is, you know, I was like, you know, I don't know who's going to show up at Brand Vaughn, but the goal was, hey, we're not just going to give money to an organization that doesn't feel like we're really engaging with our community. We're going to do a time, talent, and treasure type scenario where we're helping uh, these organizations with unbelievable talented people that we have. We're going to give them time that sometimes they just is such a deficit for some of these nonprofits. And we're going to come alongside them with resources to help hopefully pay for some of their programming. And it's been unbelievable to see how the team rallied around it. I thought it may be me and my dad and two other people. The flywheel is going at such a pace now that I'm not there. And they continue to do these 
100 families in 100 years programs with great organizations like Homemade Atlanta, Homemade. like yeah. the Atlanta Mission, like um, Must Ministries in Columbus with Open Door Community House. And it's just, that's probably what I'm most proud of is that they continue this mission of engaging in the communities, understanding that we're blessed beyond measure. And so that how do we give back to these communities have given so much to us? Yeah, that is fantastic. Now, have you, um, I know you I know that Brand Vaughn's still very actively involved in homemade from, you know, a care day standpoint yeah. and from all the different projects that go on. Have have you also served on the on the board of homemade? I have not. I have, I have not. not. Oh, well, so so yeah. So that might be a good what's next too, huh? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I do love I love nonprofit board work. So yeah, that's fantastic. Well, what haven't I asked you that I should have asked you? Oh, that's uh that's a that's a hard question. They're the, the pantheon of all things. That can be, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things I could get, I'm sure, get myself in trouble. I, <laughs> I would just maybe the one thing that I would have, maybe not that hasn't been asked, but um I, I'm so grateful for the community of people that I've been able to meet through time. Do I have competitors in the market? Yeah, I did. And do I have people that at times I was upset with? Yes, but I get to the Home Builder Association and these competitors at every single other competitor I had in the market, they'd shake my hand, they'd give me a hug, they'd say good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 even in the hardest of times, I, I believe the best in people, and especially in our industry, that at times can be really harsh and cyclical, that people continue to care for one another, that they're they have integrity, that they work hard, that they're that they're even if they're not doing the right thing necessarily, or in my book, um, that they're they're doing it for the right reasons in almost every case. And I'm just grateful for to be in an industry for my entire life that's been like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great final thought. Well, for our listeners who might want to get in touch with you, is there a way they can reach out to you if they have questions or or suggestions on your next job? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I've got <laughs> a lot of suggestions from a lot of people. Um, I mean, LinkedIn's probably the easiest way. I'm pretty easy to find. No, everybody misspells my name, but it's J O N instead of J O H N. It's V A U G H A N. Um, so LinkedIn's probably the best way to get a hold of me. I'm I'm on there pretty regularly, and I'm just great. I love that community. Yeah, fantastic. So John Vaughn, it's J O N V A U G H. A-N. So two opportunities to misspell it. Make sure you get it right. You can find him on LinkedIn. And with that, I'm going to say a huge thank you for joining me and being our first legacy. It's been really fun. You know, a couple of years ago, actually, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. Jim Jacoby said, you know, hey, you should do Legends of Real Estate. You know, you should capture all these guys. So I've been focusing on it for a couple of years and I'm not quite done yet. But along the way, I thought, you know, just interviewing all these guys and them talking about their kids in almost every situation, if you're a legend and you're, you know, uh, an individual and you're working for a business that you created, then your kids or grandkids are involved. So, so I've been, um, you know, pontificating that I was going to switch to the legacies for a while because there's just so many great stories out there. So thank you for setting the bar high for the first one. Um, everybody that follows got to live up to this interview, which is by far, I think, you know, going to be a, um, a milestone that will be hard to reach. So thank you for joining me. I love being able to catalog that because the the people that you've interviewed on the legend side are legends. And yeah, 
being able to have the legacy, I'm, I'm just grateful for that opportunity. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. So I will continue. But um, for now, I'm going to say this is a wrap of this week's Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio's new Legacy of Real Estate series. I want to thank John Vaughn, uh, formerly with Brand Vaughn, for joining me in studio today. On behalf of our show sponsor, Didim Marketing, I'm your host, Carol Morgan. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and give us a positive rating and review. There are lots of opportunities to follow and interact with Atlanta Real Estate Forum. You can go to atlantarealestateforum.com and sign up for our newsletter. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, X, formerly known as Twitter, and all the other socials. And of course, if you want to make sure to never miss one of these shows, then go to Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes and subscribe. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to me, carol at denimmarketing.com and let me know what you'd like to talk to me about. And with that, I look forward to seeing you right here again next week for our next show. Today's episode was made possible by Denim Marketing the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite real estate blog, and source for real estate news, trends, new home communities, model homes, builders, and more. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your podcast or iTunes app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio Show.